Susie Allison, a former kindergarten and first grade teacher, now stay-at-home mom, is also the genius creator of the account Busy Toddler that has amassed almost a million followers on Instagram at the time of this recording. Susie shares her tips on keeping toddlers happily busy with independent play based on projects that will cost $5 or less using many things you probably have in your home already. And today, Susie shares with us so much of her wisdom about getting kids to play independently, schedules, TV time, childhood development through play and learning, and what her advice is for parents who are trying to keep their littles busy during a quarantine or anytime you're spending many hours at home. Susie has been featured on the Today Show, People, Time Magazine, and I'm super grateful to have her as a guest on Mint Arrow Messages today, too. All right, today, my friends, I have someone I am so excited to talk to. I met her in person just a few months ago, and she's as delightful as you would hope she is. Her name is Susie, and she is the creator of Busy Toddler. Say hi, Susie. Hi. And tell us just in general what you do and what you're about. So I'm all about fun, easy play. I run an Instagram account called Busy Toddler, and I help parents make it to nap time each day or right now help it, us through school closures. Help us through life. <laughs> playing with, help us through <laughs> life because life's gotten a little weird right now. Yes. My mission is just to share play and to share fun activities to do with kids, to help parents, to help kids, to help everybody make it through the day just a little happier. So awesome. And I found you, I'm going to say maybe like a year ago. And I just felt like it was so helpful to me as a mom with young kids to have all of these activities all of a sudden at my fingertips that we could use a lot of things that we already owned at home to keep my kids busy and playing and learning. And so we'll get into all of that in just a second. But I wanted to start at the beginning. So where did you get this passion for teaching children or helping children to do creative things? I think it all starts from my mom. My mom is a teacher. And so I was raised in a classroom. I spent so much of my childhood in a classroom. And when it came time for me to pick a career, it really just made the most sense. I had some deviations into journalism, but (laughs) I got back on track, got myself back into education. And I I loved it. I loved teaching children and I fell into kindergarten as my first teaching job and then into first grade after that. It was just such an easy passion for me to have. I had nannied kids in high school. I have always been around children. I've always loved teaching children and just sharing information with them in a really simple, fun, play-based kind of way. Even when I was a child, I loved that. So it was just such an easy thing for me to fall into in adulthood, doing all these activities with kids and having fun as a teacher. And then when I came home to have my firstborn, I missed that. I mean, I loved having a baby at home, but let's be real. They're kind of a blob. (laughs) I really, I really missed teaching. And so once he got old enough, I started looking around for what could we do? We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. I didn't have the ability to run out and buy a bunch of fancy supplies like I was seeing on Instagram and Pinterest. So I thought, you know what, we're going to make it work. And we found a way to make it work with just the things that we had around the house. And it, it eventually turned into an Instagram account. That's so awesome. So when was that that you started everything? So Busy Toddlers started in June, 2015. So a few months before that, I'd had this harrowing night where I tried to make dinner after I'd had a C-section. Oh my gosh. And I had a newborn and I had a 20-month-old and I was like, I'm going to make dinner for us, which was a terrible idea, but you know, and I picked like a new recipe from a Martha Stewart cookbook. 
this is going to happen for me right now in my life. And things just went from bad to worse. And I mean, the baby is screaming in a bouncer on the kitchen floor and Sam is 20 months old and he's emptying out kitchen drawers because I have no control in the kitchen anymore. And the dinner's burning and I'm freaking out. And I mean, again, I've just given birth for a C-section and so mm-hmm. I'm, I should not be up. And I end up dropping my cell phone into the sink filled with dirty dishwater. And I'm devastated because now I've ruined my phone and I've ruined dinner. We don't, we can't afford this. And I'm sobbing on the floor with a 20 month old comforting me, which is such a, such a parenting moment. Yes. And I remembered, okay, well, I'm just going to throw my phone into rice and that will supposedly fix it. And it did, you know, three days later, oh my gosh, like my phone was magically back on again. Wow. But I was left with all this rice and I didn't know what to do with it. But then I vaguely remembered, you know, when I was a kid, the church basement had like a sensory table, like a table where kids would play with cornmeal. And I was like, I can do that. So I ran upstairs and I grabbed a storage container from under our bed, which was full of stuff from college that we didn't need anymore. And I dumped it out and I dumped all this rice into it and I threw some kitchen utensils in it and I just kind of set salmon and I was like, go forth and play. (laughs) And he did. And suddenly he's playing for 45 minutes. This child that's only 20 months old is suddenly completely engaged. And I was like, okay, this is something. Yes. And you know, it wasn't for months later until I found out that the term for what I had made was called a sensory bin. I had no idea at the time. I just thought I'd won the lottery and found a great way for a kid to play. And how awesome is this? And so after a few months of just kind of trying to do little activities with him here and there, especially when the baby was napping, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to kind of challenge myself and I'm going to open up an Instagram account. I'm going to call it Busy Toddler. That name's not been taken, so I'll take it. And I'll just kind of post these activities and maybe there are other families out there that need fun, easy, simple, and really cheap ways to entertain their toddlers. And it it caught on like wildfire. And within a month, I had 2,000 followers and kind of this ball had been rolling that I've never been able (laughs) to reason through or quite understand myself. I'm just along for the ride and the journey and so honored that so many people have invited me into their home with a bin of rice. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, yeah, it's a genius like moment when you feel like, oh my gosh, I just got my kid to sit and do something that they're happy with for a few minutes. It is. It really is. You just kind of feel like you can hear angels singing. You're like, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. I had no idea. obviously have a gift too for working with children and thinking of Thank you. ways to keep them not just occupied, but learning too, which I want to ask you about. But it's been amazing to me every time I've used one of your tips or tricks that they really do engage my kids and, you know, they're learning things too, which is so awesome. So um, I want to ask you about schedules because I feel like that's such a big thing right now with people trying to just get a grasp on how to keep kids busy and to keep them out of trouble and um, (laughs) right now with everyone on. So we're recording this on April 16th and I would say almost all the schools, if not all in the United States are shut down right now. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of people with like kids of all ages at home. And instead of just having the time to give to the youngest kids, they've got older kids and middle, you know, middle school kids or whatever, all at home, all needing attention. So I feel like the demand is greater than ever right now. 
And I just want to start off with talking about why schedules are important and what you think, like what your best advice is for the parents that are trying to figure out a good schedule or a good rhythm. Definitely. So my best advice for starters is have a schedule. And this doesn't need to be like a military base at 0900. We do this every single day. We're not talking about particularly like a time-based schedule. We're talking about more of a flexible order of events. And that's kind of what you want to keep repeating in your head, flexible order of events. We want our kids to know what comes next in the day. A lot of angst and a lot of anxieties and a lot of even behavior problems with kids come from them just not knowing what to expect next. So if we can take away that guesswork, if we can help them have this predictable order of events every day so that they know, even if they can't tell time, I know that we have breakfast. And Mm -hmm. then I know after breakfast, we play a little. And then I know after that, maybe we do a little schoolwork. And after that is snack. And after that is recess. And we just kind of have this flexible order of events. They don't need to know necessarily the times around these events. They just need to know what the routine is. Okay. They need something to kind of hang their hats on. And especially when we think about the kids who've come home from elementary school and from middle school and even high school, those kids are used to a time-based schedule. They're used to having the same order of events every single day. And so if we can kind of mimic that and mirror that and honor what our kids are used to having been in a school setting, it really will take away a lot of the guesswork and help the child feel even more successful in understanding what their day will look like, what they should expect. And I I truly believe, and I think you'll see it at home, that the behavior will even improve when the child understands what to do each day. Yeah, I love that. I feel like our, at least my kids, they thrive on the predictability of knowing what's next. They do. They just need to know what's about to come so that they have an idea. Otherwise, there is a little bit of scaredness for a child to understand, okay, when do I get to go outside again? When is mm-hmm. TV time again? When am I going to get to eat next? And if we can take away some of that guesswork, we really do take away a lot of some of, a lot of the behavior problems that we'll see with kids. Totally. So what does your schedule look like? What What's like a great sample schedule? So our schedule is pretty routine at this point. And it's kind of how it always has been for us. So my kids wake up in the morning and they play in their rooms by themselves. We leave them a little bit of cereal in the morning. We call it the offering. (laughs) We leave them a little bit of cereal and some water and they hang out and they play in there. They're all very safe and they're old enough. They're three, five and almost seven. So they hang out and they play in the rooms for probably a good hour while we sleep a little bit longer. (laughs) And I always take, and I always get up before them and I take my shower without them around because there's just nothing better than taking a shower without an audience. I just don't, I don't need that in my life. (laughs) So I get dressed before them. And then about eight o'clock, everybody comes out of their rooms and we head downstairs. And for my kids, they've now been up for at least an hour. So now is when we start our TV time and they sit and watch a TV show while I get breakfast going and I get breakfast ready. And then from there, we all eat together. We turn the TV off because if I don't just turn it off, then it becomes like this impenetrable force that you can't get turned off. So I keep it really scheduled with my kids with TV. They know every morning they're going to wake up, they're going to play, and then they're going to get to watch the TV and there's no guesswork. And then they know it goes off. And then they kind of run off and they play while I clean up the house, you know, for the 50th time, the beginning of what will be like 50 times during the day Mm because I cannot right now with the messes. (laughs) (laughs) And then we come together at 930 and we do school. I have a kindergartner and so we have schoolwork for him to do and I have a preschooler and then I have my little guy who just kind of bobbles around between everybody. And we end up doing school for about an hour, an hour, 45 minutes. And then we have snack and then they head outside for a good 30 minutes. We don't have 
an amazing backyard, but we have enough. We have a little bit of grass and we have a little bit of dirt and that's plenty for right now. We're making it work. Then they come back inside and that's when I usually bust out one of our busy toddler activities. And we do a little activity together just kind of to break up the day. Then they go back to playing by themselves. And then by then it's already lunch and we do lunch and then naps. Right now is naps for the little and rest time for the big kids. And Mm -hmm. then the big kids will kind of move into like a quiet time downstairs. And then they have another little 30 minutes of TV for the afternoon. And then by like 3, 30, 4 o'clock, we're back in the backyard. And and my husband's usually done with work by then. And so we're all playing together. And it just kind of works in the very seamless sort of way. It's kind of no muss, no fuss. It's not a busy schedule and it's not a huge schedule, but it's a set of events that's working really well for us. It's kind of always how we've done things. We've just had to shift a little bit since we're not really making runs to Target or the zoo right now. Yeah. So I want to ask you, and I love that. I love the like visual of being able to see what your day looks like. I think that's super helpful. I want to ask about TV because I love what you have shared on social media about what TV is for you with your kids? So for me, TV is a tool and it really is a tool that we have as parents and we can use it. In our house, my husband and I control the TV. It is our tool to use, not our kids' tool to use. And that's a very big distinction. Mm -hmm. We have set times for our kids. So it's very routine. They're not asking for it throughout the day because they know when they're going to get it. And they know that it's not their decision to turn it back on. If we decide we need it, the, um, the other day I came down with a cold, which is hysterical because I'm not going anywhere. How did I come down with a cold? <laughs> um, but things got hectic downstairs and my husband's trying to make dinner and I'm sick. And so we popped the TV on and the kids were excited because that never happens at you know five o'clock at night. So yeah. this is very exciting for them. But it's just an example of how we use TV as a tool. And because we guard it and we aren't just throwing it out there willy-nilly and we're really saving it for the times when we have something big that's happened or we really do need some help, then we grab that TV and we can turn it on. But otherwise, during the day, we have these very set times, these two very set times, the morning and then the half hour in the afternoon. And that's it. And the kids know this isn't something you come in and say, I want to break from playing because playing is hard work for kids and and it is taxing, but it's something that they need to keep doing. And the TV really does impede with that as much as we all joke, you know, our moms taught us that TV is going to rot your brains. Mm -hmm. Well, mom, mom was right. And it does. And, you know, studies have shown that. So we want to try to guard how much time our kids are on the TV, but then also maintain it as a tool that we can use when we do really need it. If you have a conference call, if you have a work meeting, you have to be there. Have it be something that you can access instead of something that the kids have gone so much with that they're not really interested anymore. Yeah, that's great advice. So I want to ask you about your homeschool program and yeah. and how also that came to be and how that's helping a lot of parents right now. So I, back in 2017, a lot of my friends were getting ready and sending their kids to preschool. And I started mapping out, okay, I have a three-year-old and I have a two-year-old and I've just had a baby. And I started doing the math and I realized that by the time I'm done with preschool for my third born, we'll have spent $35,000 on preschool. Wow. And, and this is for modest preschool. This is not for bells and whistles preschool in the Seattle area. This is like modest three-day-a-week, four-day-a-week, half-day preschool. And I, I, we, don't have, we didn't have that money. We don't have that money to, to be spending on preschool education. Yeah. As great as preschool is, it's just not, not in the cards. And so 
And then also, I just really like having my kids home and I like them being together and I, I love them being a little sibling unit. And I didn't want to pull my oldest one away while the other two were just getting old enough to play with him. So I started looking around at what are the options and what are the options for parents. I, I just like with my Instagram account, I just wasn't seeing it. A lot of programs were really expensive or they were really worksheet heavy and worksheet based. And that wasn't going to work for us. So I sat down with my mom because it's always go back to my mom. And I said, let's map out a program that we can use what we you know we can use what we've done with busy toddler, the lessons I've done with the kids and let's put it down on paper, what, what I've been doing for the last, you know, two years with them and what I continue to do. And so I was kind of writing it and doing it at the same time. And I ended up, I had a four-year-old and um, Kate was two and a half when I was writing it and when I wrote it. And we released it in August of 2017. And it was just amazing response to this idea that we can have a really simple play-based home preschool experience, 45 minutes to an hour each day, no worksheets, just using stuff you have around the house in a really light, fun, and easy way that isn't expensive. And it isn't, you know, causing you to have to rebudget your house based on how expensive preschool is these days. And so I wrote that one. And then the success was so great from it that we, we wrote a second year and it's just been such a blessing. It's been such a joy to, to give that to people and to watch other families enjoy it. And, you know, some of these are lessons that my mom and I did back when we were teachers. And now we're getting to watch, you know, my kids do them and we're watching other families do them. And it's just so exciting and so amazing. So when everything hit with the coronavirus, I started looking and realizing like this, you know, people are going to be home from school and this is going to be hard. And so I released out a coupon code, which is home 25 for my program, just to help people to make it even more affordable. And now just watching so many people relying on it and using it with their kids, I'm using it again. I've restarted it with my almost seven-year-old and we're still doing these lessons over and over again. And it's great. And it's been really nice to have something to kind of hang our hat on each day that isn't distance learning, doesn't need a computer. We can just do it with what we have in the house. And it, it really doesn't take up a lot of time. It's just a fun, easy, breezy way for the kids to do a little learning. I love that. That's so awesome. I'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes too, so people can find it easily. Yes, of course. So my next question is for the parents who are feeling overwhelmed right now, what's your Uh advice to them? My big advice that I keep saying over and over again on Instagram is just to repeat to yourself, you are enough. There is a reason you're your child's parent. You are enough. You are put here to do this job for a reason. And no matter what anybody says, no matter what you're seeing on social media, no matter what that Instagram lady is doing with all the activities, you <laughs> you are plenty. You are plenty for your child and you're giving them enough. And I just need parents to repeat that over and over again. Your child just needs you. They don't need a fancier version of you. They don't need a teacher version of you. They don't need a more sophisticated version of you or Pinterest version of you. They just need you. So if you can really put your blinders on right now, focus on your family, focus on what your family's needs are, not necessarily what your neighbor's needs are, your best friend's needs are, the person you randomly follow on Facebook that you don't know how you friended them, (laughs) they're doing. Just focus on your child, focus on you and find the best path for you guys right now, as opposed to what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. It's so hard right now. It's so hard because we compare and we look and we analyze and we wonder if we're doing enough. And the truth is you are, you really, really are. 
Well, I love, too, that so many of your suggestions are just very doable, easy things. Like you said, the rice or even just Post-it notes. We've done so many things with Post-it notes that you've suggested um, over time. And those, like, really simple activities are the ones that I feel like my kids just love. You know, I know. And I always think it's the simplest ones. I'll, you know, I'll put tape down on the carpet and I'm like, here, you guys can build, you know, an animal lineup. And I just kind of walk away. And then it's, a, you know, an hour later, they're still building this little animal parade. And I'm like, how, how is this? <laughs> but I always say I, this shouldn't surprise us or surprise me or surprise any of us. This is a group of people that will be entertained for days with a cardboard box. Yes. We know that they don't need fanfare. We know they don't need fancy. They will sit with a cardboard box for hours. I so know. Every year at kinda, Christmas, I'm yes. like, why did I buy the toy? Why? I just should have gotten the box. Just should have gotten the box. And it's the same thing with activities and with toys and the things that we have for our kids in our house. We think that it needs to be this like, oh, show-worthy Pinterest experience and I need this and that. But really, they just need simple fun and engaging. And essentially that's what a cardboard box is. So a lot of times I'll look at an activity. I'll be like, what is this rank on my cardboard box scale? It's like, Oh, this is, this is right up there with like as simple and basic. They just don't need a lot. They are so good at play. And we forget, you know, we look at a sensory bin or we look at a thing of cornmeal and we're like, I don't get it. They do. That's the great part is they look at that and they're like, yeah, I could do 15 things with this right now where we could see maybe two. They're such amazing thinkers and amazing learners. And we kind of forget and we think like, oh, well, we're the adult. We know better. And so we got to get our hands in every pot and be stirring up and this and that. And but really, you can just set the cardboard box in front of them and walk away and <laughs> they'll, they'll do a million things with it. Yeah, it truly is amazing. It is. So tell me about why sensory learning is important. What does that even mean? So uh, the basic definition of a sensory bin is when you take materials and you put it into a container and you let the child have a tactile learning experience with it. That would be what I would call like Webster's busy toddler dictionary definition of a sensory bin. For my family, we usually do it in an under the bed storage container. So those kind of Rubbermaid or Sterilite bins that you shove under your bed and fill with junk that you don't need. Instead, you can fill it with rice or cornmeal or water or ice or pom balls. There's a million things you can fill in. And it all depends on the age of the child and, you know, choking hazards and things like that. But, right. But there's two really main reasons that I do sensory bins. Well, there's several reasons. But first, it's some of the best learning your child is going to do. It's the, this idea that kids learn through play. It, it's not rhetoric and it's not a joke. Kids really do learn through play. And when you set a child down in a sensory bin, you're opening them up to this play experience like no other. They're learning about math skills with capacity and measurement and volume. And they're figuring out science, different science techniques. So my kids, when they're playing with water, I'm always shocked at how much they'll learn. The other day, my daughter figured out displacement during a pouring station. She was pouring water and she put her hand in and she said, oh my gosh, my hand fills up the container more. And they kept doing it over and over again. And they figured this out on their own. They didn't need me to stand and lecture them about what displacement is. They figured it out and they figure out vortexes and how particles move and the properties of solids. And they do all of this in this really fun play-based sort of way without us kind of hovering over them. They really do just know how to learn. And it grabs their attention in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. I, I can't imagine sitting and playing with a sensory bin as long as my kids will sit and play, but that's just because their minds are so much better than our minds are. I mean, yeah, really. it's truly, truly amazing to watch kids it, it, play It's unbelievable. Learn. It really is unbelievable to watch them sit there. But the 
big reason that I love sensory bins and why I always encourage parents to try a sensory bin, I find it to be one of the best ways to teach a child about rule following and oh. about self-control, which is so odd because it's like, it's this bin of rice. Why, how is this going to help my parenting? But it really does. So when a child is playing in a sensory bin, this is a chance for you to teach them impulse control and you can use firm, clear, and consistent boundaries. And that's something that everything in parenting goes back to firm, clear, and consistent boundaries. So when you set down a bin of mess in front of a child who makes Mm -hmm. messes and they want to pick it up and they want to throw it and they want to dump it, instead you teach them firm, clear, and consistent boundaries. We keep the rice in the bin. We don't eat the rice. We don't dump the bin. And over time, they start to learn, I have to keep this play within this boundary. If I don't, my mom's going to put it in the laundry room. That's not fun. I've got to stay within my lane here. And it really does take time. I, when I work with two-year-olds on sensory bins and I'll watch as they're kind of playing, 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 and then they kind of like start to pick up the rice and they want to like pretend they're at a wedding and just start throwing it across <laughs> the room. Like, no, 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 we got to stay within the, remember, you know, we're no eating, no dumping, no throwing. And we kind of keep working on that. And little by little, they start learning self-control and they start learning impulse control and they start learning, my mom means business. If I throw this rice, she's going to pick this bin up and then I'm done playing and that's not fun. So I've got to stay within the rules. And it becomes this really beautiful, low-key way to teach kids to follow rules, which we don't really think about as being a skill for kids to learn, but it really is a skill they have to learn. It's a huge life skill. It's a huge life skill. And it's one that we often are forced as parents to teach them in really high emotion, high stress situations, running in a street, Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, things that happen with their friends. And those become really passionate times in our lives. But if we can start when they're in the early years, working on these firm, clear, and consistent boundaries, working on impulse control, self-control, playing within a set of rules and understanding there's consequences if you break those rules. Yes. It becomes this unbelievably powerful tool and it all starts with a bag of rice and a bin. And it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah. I am always looking for ways to teach my kids choices and consequences when, when the stakes are low. When exactly the consequences aren't you're going to go to jail now or you're going to lose your job, you know. Right. I know. I so, want them like them to learn these now when it's a little bit easier and the stakes are a little lower than when they're in high school. Yes, totally. And that starts today. It really does. It really starts with how we're raising them right now is going to have an impact, which is so crazy to think about. Yes. Well, I love those ideas. So tell me about why independent play is important too, because so much of, I feel like when I was a brand new mom and when Annabelle, who's my oldest, started to be at the age where I could play with her, I felt like at first it was my job to sit and entertain her all day long. And that gets exhausting. It's (laughs) exhausting. Why is independent play important and how can you foster that more in your home? Definitely. So independent play is basically all the play a child should be doing. Children should be playing independent of of their parents, which is hard for us because we want to be in there and we want to have that quality time with them. But we have to rethink and restructure that there is quality time for us to sit with them, but it doesn't need to be when they're playing. And that's really, really hard because we really want to be so engaged and so involved with our kids. But this is a time where we need to honor the work that the child needs to do by themselves. And whether it's with a sibling or with a friend or even independently, completely by themselves, they need to be able to be playing alone because though we are, 
love them and we're not meaning to. Parents and adults, we accidentally change the play. And we don't have that ability to play the way that a child does. We don't have those independent skills. It's, there's a reason why for us, it's so taxing to sit and play ponies. It's like, oh, <laughs> got it. I cannot. But kids will sit and play for so long because yes. their brains are wired differently and they're learning different things while they're doing it. We're not learning while we're doing pony play, right. but they are. And so it's really important that we kind of hang back from that. And it doesn't mean that you have to leave your child unsupervised, it just means that they're doing their play and their work and you're doing your work as an adult. And that might be sitting in the lawn chair, watching them play in the yard. It might be sitting on the couch, watching them play. It might be while you're making dinner and you're looking over at them playing, but it doesn't need to be our job. You know, there's a great quote that says, play is the work of childhood. Mm. And what I always add on the end of that is play is the work of childhood. It is not the work of adulthood. And we need to remember that we have our own jobs to do. We have housework to do. We have our physical jobs to go to. We have marriages. We have dinners to make. We don't have all the time to sit and play, but that's, that's the one job that a child has. That's it. That's all they need to be doing is playing. Yeah. So we really, really need to honor that and let the child have their time to play. And the more we let a child play independently, it, it really is a skill. It's, I always say it's like running a marathon. You can't go out tomorrow and run a marathon. It's not going to happen. You work up to it little by little. And so think about independent play with your child in five minute increments. Can you start them tomorrow playing without you for five minutes? And then can you keep increasing that over and over and really work this muscle and work this skill until you have a child that can maybe sit for an hour and play Legos all by themselves. And that really is where the most significant learning is going to come from in childhood. Well, and my older girls are really good at playing with each other now, but I feel like it was stressful for me when it was just Annabelle. So what's your advice to someone with just one child or one child that's so much like distance from the ages of the other children? I would say, remember that it is not stressful for the child. They don't feel neglected by you when they're sitting playing. You need to be available to them always. Let them see you. Let them be near you read books with them, play games with them, but talk to them about what their role is. My job in the family is this. Your job in the family is play. And we can really talk to our kids about this is really good for you. This is important work. This is, we value this. I always say, you know, while you're, while I'm doing the dishes, there's no reason for you to be sitting in the kitchen with me. Go, go play and I will come find you and let them know you'll come and find them, that they're not going to be alone forever. This isn't some insurmountable amount of time. I'm going to unload the dishwasher and then I'm going to come find you. When we talk about kids who maybe don't have a sibling or the sibling is a lot younger, it still is okay for them to be playing alone. And it still is amazing. And we do have all this parent guilt, but we just, you got to just let it go. We just need to wash it away and say, you know what, this is the best learning my child can do right now. Even my kids, though they love playing with each other, they love their time alone. Mm -hmm. Kids love alone time. They do. They love sitting by themselves. We adults love it. We love being alone, having a, having a chance to just, you know, sit with a good book or something. Not that I have time for that right now, but you know, in another, in another life, Yeah. but it really is. It's just one of those, we just have to make that mental shift and give ourselves permission and wash away the guilt. You're not doing a bad thing or being a bad parent when your child is playing by themselves. You're actually giving them the greatest gift that you can. And that is learning through play, working through life through play, 
developing skills that will carry them so far in life. It's unbelievable how far these play skills are going to end up playing out with our kids in their lives. That's such great advice. And I feel like it's super needed right now too, when everyone's roles and everyone's space is all meshing together because we're all, you know, at home together. So I know it's so hard right now. There's such a pressure to be a teacher and a camp counselor and a parent and then to work at your own job. Yes. And we have to figure out, and it goes back to our schedules. We just need to schedule in time. My husband is working from home right now. And today he came downstairs for a good 10 minutes, you know, what would have normally been his break time at work. And he came down and he built a puzzle with the kids. And that's fantastic. He didn't impede on their play. He didn't, you know, take over what they were doing. They sat and worked on a puzzle together. They got quality time with dad. And then he went back to work. And that's great. They had that time. And I think if you really look at your schedule and you just say, we're going to block out family time, play time, independent time, and kind of make these chunks and give yourself permission and grace while you're adjusting to this, it, it really is okay. Yeah. And that's been helpful to me too, as we've had a new baby come into the family each time, you know, the youngest really seems to struggle not being the mm-hmm. baby anymore. And yes, and I feel like just having that little bit of time, even 10 or 15 minutes of, okay, the baby's put, you know, set aside or it goes down for a nap. And right now it's just you and me. Just those little increments of time, just like you're saying your husband did with your kids yeah. has really proven to be very helpful in the past. Yeah, for it me. doesn't, doesn't need to be hours of play. Right. Right. <laughs> just five, 10 minutes is really what we need just to fill those buckets send them back. Totally. Okay. I want to ask you about something that you also keep sharing on Instagram that I love that is, it's like three things, right? That you yes. keep telling people that they, <laughs> I keep if they feel overwhelmed, in. they just need to focus on what are the three things? So the big three things that kids need to learn, and this is kids of all ages, they need play, they need reading, and they need conversation. And so at the end of the day, if you're worried I didn't do enough with my child. Did they do enough of this? Did we do enough schoolwork? You just stop. Did they play? I'm sure they did. They played. They, they're playing all day right now. This is all our kids have. <laughs> Read to them. Set up, Look at your schedule. Set up some time where you're reading aloud to them, but then also you're letting them silent read by themselves. No matter how old your child is, even into middle school and high school, reading out loud to a child is incredibly valuable to their education. So don't stop reading to your children. And then also carve in time for them to be reading by themselves. And then the last is just conversation. Our kids just need to talk to us right now. This is an amazing time that we have with our kids at home to, you know, linger at lunch and have a long dinner and not rush by each other. We get so caught up in this mentality of rushing one kid to a sport and one kid to school and we're eating dinner in the car and that's not our lives right now. And it's a good thing that we're sitting home together and we're, we're getting a chance to talk and to listen to each other. Kids learn so much about language from us and they learn about social and emotional maturity from us. They learn skills from us, life skills from us. And we can pass all those down just by talking, by having conversation. So I always tell parents at the end of the day, just look back and find the times they played. Think about what you read to them and the conversations you have. And that that's all you need to do. And really you nailed it. As long as you hit those three, that is truly it. That's all the kids need. That's enough. I love that. I've Mm -hmm. thought about that many times since you've been sharing that and been like, okay, I think we hit all those three things today. (laughs) That's all you need to do. We did okay. You've done done plenty. Yeah. I love that. Do you have any favorite stories that have come back from parents that you've helped 
recently or just over the time that you've been doing Busy Toddler? You know, I just, I hear back from so many parents just how their child suddenly has started playing and what a difference it's made or that they went to the child's, you know, four-year-old checkup and the doctor couldn't believe the progress they'd made in their communication skills and that a lot of it came back to the activities they've been doing at home. And I can't believe that. I just, it blows me away that, that I'm having this impact. It's so humbling because it isn't what I ever expected. I didn't set out to do any of this, really. I just set out to share some activities and help people make it to nap time. I, I never expected that I would, you know, help people make decisions about delaying kindergarten or whether preschool's right for their family or homeschool versus public school. I never thought I would be a part of so many conversations around so many dinner tables. And it is an unbelievable blessing. It, it is just, it's awe-inspiring. I, I can't, I'll never be able to understand how this all happened or that this is the path my life took, but I will forever be grateful and thankful that I've had this chance. Well, it's clear to me that it's a gift. That's like, that is your gift. And it really is a unique <laughs> gift that so many people are in need of. And I feel like I've, you probably feel this way too, but I feel like a lot of friends that I have who have done things in the blogging world or in Instagram or whatever, it all starts the same, just like you said, where they didn't yeah. ever intend for it to be that. And it just became what it is because you were providing something that people were in need of. And yeah. so that's that's really what resonated with me. And I, so many people, I think it was when I was asking for tips on how to keep your kids busy during general conference, which is like a two time a year conference that we do um, in our church where families stay home. Well, now everyone's staying home, but families right. stay <laughs> home for all day Saturday and all day Sunday, it's like an eight to 10 hour thing twice a year. And you're trying to get your kids to quietly play while you listen. <laughs> and so many people referred me to your account when I asked for that suggestion. And it was just genius. I went to the the dollar store, whatever the dollar general or something in our neighborhood is and bought, you know, 20 different things for $20 and came home. And I had all these activities and it just works like magic. And I was like, this is truly amazing. I have found something so good. And I'm sure that's how everyone feels, you know, who's finding these activities. But also, I feel like I've just found a friend, too, in oh, listening thanks. to your advice. And yeah, you're welcome. And all it's of It's just such a things. joy. It really is. It's just such a, it's, I, I just feel like every time I look at it, I'm like, how is this my life? Like this, you know, I don't feel any different. I don't you know, I'm not any different than when I started this. And yet it's just this massive community of people. And I think what blows me away is how like-minded this community is. I get asked a lot because of how big my Instagram account is, is, you know, do I get a lot of trolls or hate mail or, you know, people being mean to me? And the truth is I don't. And I think it's because of what you said, people are finding me from their friend. Mm -hmm. And so it's this kind of snowball of all these like-minded families you know, kind of coming together and it just shows how generous and loving and supportive a giant group of people really can be. We're all fine. You know, everybody finds me from a friend. It's always, oh, a friend recommended a friend or a friend. And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful to be a part of those conversations, but it really has just built this network of people, you know, friend, a friend, a friend that all is so unbelievably supportive. And it's just, it's unbelievable to me. Well, I think that's awesome. And I also think it says a lot about you just being a very real down-to-earth person and attracting people who are also like you. So 
Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So I have one last question for you. And it's All a right. question that I ask everyone. Okay. And it is, if there's one message that the people who listen to this episode remember from you, what do you want that one message to be? That you are enough. It really is. It all goes back to that with parenting with me. I think that there's so much pressure on parents these days and so much guilt put on parents and expectations. And really, we need to go back to how parenting was even just 30 years ago before social media, before the internet, when parents knew they were enough. They didn't question it. 30 years ago, our parents did not question if they were feeding us enough rainbow each day. (laughs) They knew they were enough. They didn't question if they should be playing with us more. They didn't question... How, you know, are we having a good enough dinner? They just, they knew, they knew they were enough. And I think that we've lost sight of that and we've forgotten that we are enough. And I just, I, I want that more than anything for parents to have that sense of peace and understanding that you are a parent for a reason. You are given this child for a reason. And it's because you're enough for this child. And I don't ever want you to question or to look at things online and to have that pained, guilty feeling about what I am or am not doing for my child. Because whatever you are doing for your child right now, you're doing it perfectly and it is enough. You are enough. That's beautiful, Susie. Thank you so much. And it's so nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I know that you are super busy and (laughs) have so many things going on. And I just really, really appreciate that you took the time to share this with all of us. So where can people find you if they want to follow along and get more of all the things that you talked about today? So you can find me on Instagram at busy toddler and then on my website, busytoddler.com. Awesome. And we will link to all those in the show notes too. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Susie. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at mintarrow.com subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode.